Yet again, weekly, I feel back in the pocket. Dude, weekly for a month. We'll have it for a month. (laughs) That would be outstanding. And we are really glad to have an amazing Mm -hmm. guest with us today. We could say a whole lot of things about him, but we'll let him say those things about himself. But we needed to give you a bit of an introduction of some of the upcoming events Mm -hmm. that we have. Because as of today, we have officially dated our... Mm -hmm. Debate between Adam and Brandon. Mm, oh, I don't have his last oh, name on. here. Sorry, my bad. Brandon with a guy, a guy who has a last name. But I'll make sure we provide yes. it before too long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah, we're going to debate. Uh, resolve masonry is consistent with a Christian worldview, which I personally will be heavily negating. So that, but the thing is, this is an interleague debate. So this guy is a Christian. Um, right. And he's going to bring in um, his view on how um, this comports and how Christianity can work um, with the tenets of Masonry. And again, yeah, I'm going to be definitely on the, there is no neutrality in this, and it is definitely sinful to be a part of uh, Masonry um, based on a lot of evidences and all that kind of stuff. So it's going to be awesome. We also, finally, this man that we have in here tonight have uh, yes. finally put a date on that debate too. So Dave, give us the information. All now. right. Travis is going to be debating on August 19th, so this is his first time on the podcast. Mm -hmm. We will have him as a returning guest as he will sit in studio, and he will be debating Colonel Nathan Rager on the proposition, Resolve the Word of God is Most Effectively Preserved in the King James Version of the Bible. So Mr. Rager will take the affirmative, and Travis will take the negative on that debate, and we're excited also to announce Officially, that we do have a sponsor for our debate mm-hmm. with uh, a group yet to be announced because I don't yeah. want to drop the name of the group yet because it might not be the group as a whole. It might just be some representatives from the group. But we are debating on the Missouri State campus. I believe it's going to be the first Monday of October, and we'll be debating fundamental treatment of human beings and animals should be co-equal. And we will take the negative on that debate case. But here's what we want you to do. We will be creating events on our Facebook page, and we're going to ask you to not only like them, but to share them and make sure that you say that you're going, because whether you're going to be watching the podcast from home or whether you're going to be going to the debate, because in the case of Travis and in the case of Adam, those debates will be done here on the live cast. They won't be seated debates. But the debate that Adam and I will be involved in in October will be a seated debate on the Missouri State mm-hmm. campus. And it will be sponsored by Be Civil, Be Heard. And we're also looking for some other sponsors. And uh, we've got a few other little things to do before we completely get everything unleashed with that. But uh, it's going to be a pretty cool deal. Yeah, yeah, because like, about this debate... When you think about it, fundamental treatment of human beings and animals should be co-equal. Um, a lot of you might be going, 
Why in the world are you debating that? Why are you that guys doing this? And so the big thing is, is we realize that the gospel affects everything, you know, and That's Christ right. has hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So that being said, um, if you think that the gospel cannot be preached in this proposition, I ask you to come and see. Come and see. Yeah, and that's a really important thing because we are hoping that the group that sponsors it or the group the, the group that we're debating uh, has a good showing. We need a good mm-hmm. showing of Christians. In fact, the the very idea that Be Civil Be Heard is going to sponsor it, they are a secular organization. Mm-hmm. And so for them, this is an important way to engage the community and they're gonna bill it as such. Yeah. Because that there's going to be a lot of lost people there. And so we want as many Christians as we can yes. to demonstrate that we have not only a Christian argument, but a Christian ethic, yeah. and that the gospel can be preached in all situations. And that's what this debate is. And as I've talked about this before, look, we win when we show up to the room mm-hmm. in this case, because we're debating non-Christians, mm-hmm. and God's word is not going to go out void. Exactly. So I'll just put it like that. Yeah, yeah so... Anyway, with that housekeeping out of the way tonight, uh, we wanted to talk about false views of Scripture, and so we've got uh, one of the newest uh, Missouri Baptist Apologetics Network apologists with us, Travis, right here is the man, and so we're going to have him uh, kind of give us an uh, uh, give us some insight into what false views of Scriptures are. Why, are this, why is it important to uh, talk about this sort of yep. issue and all those kind of things? And I so, wanted to jump in there. This topic, actually, and even Travis joining the network, came about because of him teaching at my church. Mm -hmm. And so I want to say that to encourage everyone. Look, God has gifted many individuals in Missouri with an ability to defend the gospel and to put together really high-level classes. And Travis Mm -hmm. is one of those people. And when I sat in his class and he was teaching this, I was like, dude, you need to join the Apologetics Network, and then you need to come on our podcast and talk about it. Mm-hmm. Because it's an excellent mm-hmm. example of the lay apologist putting together stuff that not only builds up the church, strengthens our resolve as Christians, but also gives us a response to give for the hope that is within us when we're asked. And so yeah. that's one thing that's that I really the, like about it's it. It's the Reformation principle that the plowboy has more authority if he has a Bible than the Pope. Amen. So, you know, so here's another plowboy. You know, I get to be a plowboy. I have no other credentials. You have no other credentials. <laughs> well, I mean, you went to college. <laughs> You're an academic. Thanks. Thanks a bunch. <laughs> but anyway, you know, this is just another testimony to the the greatness of God, the greatness of His Word. That's why false views of Scripture um, and this understanding uh, needs to be thought about. You know, truth and falsity when it comes to Scripture. So. With that being said, Travis, um, just tell, tell us a little bit more about yourself. You know, you are that plowboy, so who are you and what well, do you do? Well, I'm a guy that's afraid to talk now. These guys have built me up so much. <laughs> I mean, I might say something to let all that down, but uh, no, most, most importantly, you know, obviously uh, I'm a born-again child of God. That's the most important thing to any of us. Um, and I'm, I'm blessed with a uh, wife, Angela. I have four kids, Mercedes, Julia, Joseph, and Jacob, and they have all proclaimed uh, Christ is Lord too, so I thank the Lord for that. Uh, and as you guys said, I recently became a member of MBAN, uh, and so uh, thankful for that. Thanks to uh, Rob Phillips for, for accepting my request to join there, and for Dave encouraging me in that. Um, other than that, uh, as Dave said, I, I, t- 
teach Sunday school at, uh, at uh, First Baptist Buffalo, where Dave pastors, and uh, I involve you know am involved in other teaching and, and stuff there. And uh, as far as my job though, uh, I day to day I work from Oakrete uh, out of Nixon, Missouri. We install decorative concrete coatings. Uh, we also do uh, some wood engraving and acrylic engraving. There's a plaque behind you. Things yeah. that There's we've a plaque got. Behind yeah, you right hey, here. here it is. And generally, uh, where you're sitting is our little light <laughs> yeah. that you uh, created as well. So, so yeah. yeah, and I'm really blessed with that. Uh, my uh, the, the owner uh, of our company and, and my boss, uh, he's a pastor here in Springfield at Northwest Baptist Church in Springfield, uh, also an SBC church. And uh, so I'm blessed there because, you know, not very often do you get to work a secular job and have the, the benefit of having a pastor for your boss, uh, but also be able to, through that, set your, kind of set your own schedule so I can do things like this. I can uh, go on mission trips. I can, you know, go to For the Church. I can go to the Nine March Conference. Uh, and so Maybe even founders. So yeah, maybe even founders <laughs> if, 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 if I get the okay on that one. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, that's, that's kind of me in a nutshell. So I might have stole some of this already, and I apologize if I did, but like the question that we always ask someone when we bring them on the very first time as a new Missouri Baptist Apologetics Network member is, how did you get involved in apologetics? And the reason that I ask that, I always want to make sure that I preface this, the reason that I ask that is there is always a unique narrative about how someone's eyes got open to the fact that they need to be active in defending the faith, not passive in defending it. And by that, I also mean offensive in defending the faith, not defensive. You say defensive in defending a faith, offensive in defending a faith. No, no, no. We need to be active in making sure that we get it out there. So how did you first get involved in apologetics? What what did it take to bring you into it? Well, I, I don't know if I have any kind of a unique special story or anything. Uh, I, I think I'm I'm, I'm like a, a lot of guys uh, and, and women uh, who have become involved in apologetics. I think it's the natural course. You know, if we're going to do what the Lord tells us to, if we're going to study his word, uh, and if we're going to do what he tells us to, uh, to defend his word, then our natural course of, of growth and sanctification is going to lead us into apologetics. Uh, if, if we proclaimed Christ as Savior, then, then our life is going to show that if it's a true conversion. Um, and so just in that, we're going to encounter people who oppose our faith. Yeah. And so by nature, we're going to, uh, if we're going to hold true to, to God's word, then we're going to defend it. We're going to stand right. up for it. You know, uh, I, I, I brought a quote with me because it's, it's actually one of my favorite quotes about this John Calvin quote. Uh, John Calvin said, a dog barks when his master is attacked. I would be a coward if I saw that God's truth is attacked and yet would remain silent. Right. And, uh. Uh, you know, I mentioned this to uh, to Adam earlier. You know, I, what I what I really like about that. No, not only is John Calvin saying, you know, hey, uh, I'm gonna defend God's word when it's attacked. He's recognizing that in relation to our Lord and Savior, we're but dogs. Yeah, you know, oh, well said. Uh, he's really making that relation. And and so, you know, there's multiple places we know in the Scripture uh, that they call us to do apologetics, call us to defend the faith. So mm -hmm. I. I really think that's yeah and i mean the other the other part of the story is, is you and it's i don't want to make your head any bigger, no, no. <laughs> but the fact is is uh he has a pastor who cares and He's that's a right. pastor then that's the, that's the thing is is we you know we see a lot of uh a lot of in the church whenever we talk about leadership we see a lot of hey i need something okay i'm gonna go out there and get a pull of people 
and that pool of people, I'm going to bring, like, I need a youth pastor. I'm going to bring them out. And the thing mm-hmm. is, is actually leadership, eldership, as it biblically is, you're supposed to raise up leaders within that local church because it's it's the cycle of somebody gets too old, dies, somebody's got to come underneath. And so Dave is entrusting the gospel with the people of his congregation. He's overseeing, seeing the gifts develop as he preaches the gospel. And so then he then he oversees, sees what's going on, and then encourages, hey, you've got a gift, um, you're really into this, here's some resources. And that's, that's the thing is, as a pastor, that's an important thing. You've got to develop your leadership from within instead well, of from without. And see, that's bit. something, and I'm just, I know this was yeah. not at all no. in our manuscript at all. <laughs> yeah. But like, that's one of the things that's exciting about Travis, and I've had Casey on here from my church yeah. as well. Um, there are other folks I'd love to have come on the podcast from my church. Yeah. But when I have someone who has an ability to teach and an ability to defend God's word, man, what a blessed pastor I am to know that there are individuals in my church who can adequately communicate the God gospel. When I say adequately, I should say accurately communicate the gospel. I know tomorrow if I got ran over by a bus, there are more than one there is more than one person who could step up and stand in the pulpit and preach the gospel and our church wouldn't miss a beat. Yeah. And I mean that completely uh, completely honestly. It's mm-hmm. so that's where I am. And, and Travis is one of those people. And so, yeah. Yeah. Well, if I could pick up off of what you were saying, Adam, and I know this isn't, you know, build Dave up day, but, uh, you know, Dave, Dave doesn't, he doesn't just, uh, accept, uh, sitting back and watching. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Dave is constantly encouraging me, you know, we're, we're in a weekly, uh, discipleship process where, where we're working Amen. together every Amen. week. You know, Dave inter- has interjected himself into my life. And, and, and great friend. Uh, yeah. You know, couldn't ask for a better friend. Um, but, you know, in addition to that, you know, he doesn't ever... Uh, not that he comes at me and says, you're being too idle, but he comes at me and he challenges me. He says, hey, what can we be doing here? What can we do here? Um, I, I've thought about, you know, he challenged me to... to uh, get in with Missouri Baptist apologetics. Yeah. Uh, I couldn't be more thankful that he did. Um, you know, like-minded people defending the faith together. Um, he encourages me in different areas of teaching, um, different topics and subjects that we can discuss. And so, uh, that is a big part, uh, you know, as far as being what we would recognize as active in apologetics is yeah. that leadership. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. Well, let's jump on right into the topic. You know, it's kind of nice. I always enjoy getting to be able to this is about a, a lot of things, but we brought you in here for mm-hmm. a specific topic, and that is false views of the scripture. We've, in fact, uh, that is all that we're really going to focus in on here because that's an area that you have done some real research and study. That's an area that you've written on on your blog. And what is your blog again? Uh, studywithfbcbuffalo.com. We will make sure to post yeah. that on the page because we want you to check out that blog. With that said, uh, we're talking false views of scripture. We need to begin with some definitions and some observational things. How does one identify false views of Scripture? Well, you know, um, one of the main things that we have to recognize, we can study all the false views we want. We can study cultism. We can study rationalism. We can study mysticism. And those are all good things, I believe. But uh, one of the things you've preached a lot, Dave, uh, and you've used this uh, idea of how somebody, how we can find counterfeit bills uh, when talking about money Mm -hmm. And the way they do that, and you've shared this story multiple times, but the way they do that is they study the authentic uh, yes. so thoroughly that any any variance to that authentic 
build will be noticed immediately. And that's what we have to do when we're looking for false view scriptures. We have to study the, the, the orthodox position and, and know God's word in such a way that when somebody brings out a false view, we automatically recognize it. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the most important thing. But then within that, we can study the individual false views and know, know where somebody is coming from if, if we're trying to uh, bring someone from a false view of Scripture to an orthodox view then we do need to know what their false view is. What traits are they displaying and, and where does that identify them uh, on their false view so that we know what things we need to talk about with them, so that we know what ways we can encourage them. Um, you wouldn't go to someone uh, who is an atheist and approach them the some, same way you would approach somebody who is holding a cultish view of Scripture because it's, it's an entirely different uh, mindset where they're at. And so... In doing that, that allows us to do a better job of, of bringing people to an orthodox view. Yeah. And I think that's our goal, you know, just like we talk about in debates, that the goal is to win a brother. So when Christ says, sanctify them by your truth, your word is truth. You know, I, that's one yeah. of my favorite yeah. verses, by the way. I visited with exactly. Casey yesterday about John 17. Uh, everyone should read that chapter a few times and, and pray over it because it's Jesus's mm-hmm. prayer uh, prior to his crucifixion. But he says there, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. We can know the truth. There's a presupposition that you have that we actually can know scripture, that we actually have scripture, and we need to begin there. And that's one thing that I really like that you established real well in your class. So we're already going to state that we recognize the 66 books of canon are true. We recognize that they're not true because the church said they were true. They're true because they're truly God's word. Amen. So with that said, what are these variant views or these common and prevalent views? And I know you're kind of painting with a broad brush, but uh, what would you say are some very prevalent and uh, well-distributed false views of Scripture? Well, the, the ones that I primarily teach on is, is going to be uh, rationalism. Um, and rationalism is basically it's a system of belief regulated by reason, not authority. Okay. Um, the general approach that you're going to see of rationalism, that's the, that's the approach you're going to see for most atheists, most deists, uh, modernists, uh, and religious liberals. Um, they're going to take that approach. And on the extreme, you're going to see atheists that say, There's, there is no God. How can there be a, relation, a revelation from a God that does not exist? Uh, deists are going to say there might be a God, but uh, that God does not intervene in his creation. Um, you know, modernists, re- religious liberals, they're going to... Uh, recognize that, okay, there's a God. Um, they may even recognize the God of the Bible as the one true God. But then they're going to quickly say that the Bible is not entirely true. They're going to say that it is a work of man, and it must be subjected to man's critical thinking. And that's really how we define what a uh, rationalist is. Everything is subject to the mind for a right. rationalist. Whatever they can think is true. Um, and so that's that's how we identify a rationalist. So you'd say that that view is one of the primary views that we see distributed, that idea of rationalism. We're going to run into that. We're going to encounter that because, again, that is the presupposition that a naturalist, a liberal, mm-hmm. operates from. It is. It is. And not only are we going to see that from those camps, but but more and more today, we're going to see that even within the church. Gotcha. Um, people mm-hmm. who want to uh, reason away who God should be rather than who yeah. God is. So they want, they want God to be who they want him to be. And, and therefore, they're going to reason in their mind how to 
make the scriptures fit the God they want to be, or just discard portions of scripture that don't fit the God they want him to be. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, uh, again, it's, it's, it's mind over, over God in this situation. So, so not only is this idea of rationalism perpetuating itself in a naturalistic, humanistic worldview, we also have seen it creep into the church. And it hasn't mm -hmm. just crept into the church. It's been there no. for years. But now that our education system has been hijacked by these um, secularists, we can see it sneaking into the Sunday school classes yeah. in our children's department and Definitely. such. Definitely. Yeah, because it, it's... It is really a, a, a primary uh, point uh, in American society today, you know. And, and I'm not saying this is a primary false view uh, worldwide necessarily. You know, my focal point is going to be on what our society deals with, uh, you know, what our local church deals with. And so, yeah, in in a society like our like here in America, uh, in in right here in the Midwest, um, it's all that has crept in to where where we're teaching people. Um, you know, the term think for yourself no longer means think for yourself under the authority of God. Yeah. Now it means think for yourself above God. Yeah. Um, and well so that's said. what people are being taught. That's what that's what our children in public schools are being taught today. Um, so it's it's no longer, uh, of course, we know, you know, public schools through the authority of God out years ago um, or tried to. Uh, of course, you know, we know they can't throw out God's authority. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, uh, but in so much as trying to create and paint that. So it'd be really picture. important for people to have a good understanding of rationalism, and we'll yeah. spend a little more time with that. Yeah. But they're going to see that, they're going to confront that with the majority of folks that they deal with, even the Christians in their home, because there's constantly a yes. battle going on for the mind, as uh, Francis Schaeffer said, mm -hmm. for, their, for the Christian mind. And yeah. uh, we see that all over the place. What's another view? Okay, so uh, mysticism is, is the next ver uh, view that I teach on. Um, and, and so with mysticism... Um, it's the belief that while God can and does reveal himself through scriptures, uh, the revelation is not complete. Um, they need something additional. And with mysticism, uh, you're going to hear, hear terms like uh, those who are quickened to receive it. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. What it is, though, is it hinges on a subjective experience yeah. um, it, or, or an intuition with the divine. Uh, simply put, experience is supreme in this view. Um, so many different groups are going to fall into this. Uh, you know, we can start all the way back, you know, and we can deal with pantheism and Quakerism. Uh, we can move to more recent developments, uh, Pentecostal, charismatic, and third wave movements. Yeah. Um, they all qualify under that, uh, view. Uh, the group is actually separated into a couple groups. So, um, there is a non-Christian mysticism, and then there's a Christian mysticism, which, uh, Tim Carter, you know, yeah. you all know him very well. Uh, he wrote a great paper focused in on Christian mysticism. I, I actually quoted his work uh, in my class uh, as I was teaching on that because he did such a good job with it. Um, but it, not not complicating things further, but there's also there's an appropriate view of mysticism. There is yeah. a true mystical experience as a Christian. If we're being indwelt by the Holy Spirit, then that is a mystical experience by definition. Um, and so uh, that there's there's that as well. So we um, basically between um, the rationalism and the mysticism, you've got two pendulums mm -hmm. that are extreme, and so mm -hmm. there's something missing from the middle. There's universals, there's particulars. So there's yep. natural things, there's the uh, sort of metaphysical realm. Yeah. And so we've got to connect those two, right? Yeah. And so they Definitely. they haven't. Yeah. And so they're swinging out here. Yeah. 
Yeah. So yeah, I guess that would be. And I mean, we've done a extensive talking about the whole mystic mysticism part talking about the christian witches even yeah uh, with tim on the podcast and so this would be where um the christian witches that we're talking about land yeah um you know hopefully we get calvin witcher sometime um in the fall to talk about this mysticism and discussing with them so we'll be seeing this stuff on the podcast that he's talking about I th- yeah i think one of the things that people don't recognize with mysticism um we just let it go um yeah. and the church has let it go for years um, a lot of times we see emotionalism lumped in with mysticism, um, some type of an emotional encounter. Uh, and we see this with false conversions all the time as well. We know this. Um, but w- we see uh, some kind of emotional encounter. And then within that emotional encounter, you have some sort of thought and thereby, well, God told me this. Um, yeah. And so you'll hear that a lot. Um, an argument you'll hear from mysticism, uh, mystics uh, will simply say, you know, if you try to discuss something with a mystic, a lot of yeah. times their argument is, well, Adam, you can't understand that because you haven't lived it. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's it's to that extreme in a lot of cases. Oh, yeah. Um, and so so that makes it a little more difficult uh, to, to speak with those people and, and to gain any ground with those people because they, they want to have this point where they will deny any any truth that you bring from the scriptures, but then additionally... They won't question other people's uh, subjective experiences yeah. because if they do, then they have to bring their own into question. So it, it also becomes one of those, well, what I what I want God to be and what my experience of who God is is, is mine, and, and it's okay that you have a completely different one. Well, of course, we know that denies that you know, who yes. God truly is. So we'd say with rationalism, the first approach you talked about, there is a denial that God has spoken. With mysticism, mm-hmm. God speaks to everyone all the time in very, uh, in varying ways. Yeah, How's that? that? It, would that, that be? be I a, mean, you talked about this the the pendulum. Yeah. God can't speak. Mm-hmm. God speaks to everyone through everything. Everything is God speaking. Yeah, I mean, and it can essentially, be. it's an extremist. No. Yeah, yeah. If if we're painting with extremely broad brushstrokes, yeah, that's definitely a good. So then, no authority, you know, no it. sufficiency, no clarity. Exactly. Yeah. Um, not even by doesn't even need to speak necessarily, right? And he yeah. can't speak inerrantly because I can interpret or God can have said something to me and it could have been wrong, right? And then yeah. we see that idea perpetuated in Bethel Church. We see that idea perpetuated in folks like the IHOP in Kansas City. Yeah. Um, God can get wrong according to those folks. Some of His revelation mm-hmm. that's not the God of Scripture. That's right. And so obviously this has crept into the church too in a really powerful way, and I think almost in a way that makes people look absurd um, when you see some of the ways people expand that on the hyper-charismatic edge. You know, I think about um, Charismatic Chaos by MacArthur, Strange Fire by MacArthur. We see this crazy stuff. So, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. On to the next one. Okay, so (laughs) the next next view that I recognize is, is Romanism. And of course, that's that's obviously referring to the view of scriptures held by the Roman Catholic Church. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Simply put, um, the, the, their viewpoint is the Roman Catholic Church is supreme. Uh, in a nutshell, what that would mean is the RCC believes that uh, regarding the Pope and the Cardinals, uh, they're the only ones that can understand the scriptures. And that they also have additional unwritten revelation, uh, as they're referred to as apostolic tradition. Um, so, and, and not to confuse that, we don't want to confuse that with apostolic succession, uh, meaning that all popes came from, you know, 
fallen in the line of Peter. Yeah. Um, but this is additional, uh, saying that it's essentially it's an oral tradition that was passed down from the apostles, is so what they claim. Um, and so without that apostolic tradition, we can't know the full word of God. Um, and of course, we don't have to get into all the other things. Again, I keep I keep this centralized and focused on the view of the scripture, so I, I don't chase after uh, all the other flaws that we see within Roman Catholicism. Yeah. Um, you know, we're not going to talk about transubstantiation and all that stuff, even though that comes from a false view of scripture. Yeah. Uh, we don't have to go there because we're 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 looking at the overview picture of that. Um, and so, you know. The, just the simple view that, that holds that a single man uh, can can be supreme, uh, other than our Lord and Savior, yeah. over all the Word of God. Um, the the idea that 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 man can infallibly speak new revelation, um, obviously, you know, is a false view of Scripture as well. So uh, uh, it takes away the inner working of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Um, it, it says that, Adam, you can no longer have the Holy Spirit teach you uh, when you read the Bible. Um, you know, uh, Dave, you're incapable of discerning the truths in God's Word um, if you if you do apart from uh, the authority of the Catholic Church. Well, we know that violates Scripture in a oh, lot yeah. of places. Oh, yeah. So, uh, and, and, you know, uh, this isn't something you have to go looking for. Um, this isn't one of those views, um, you know, uh, that you have to go hunting. And this isn't a view that you're going to have to discern what it is. Somebody's going to tell you, well, I'm a Catholic. And, and they may not truly believe what they what they yeah. claim claim by saying that word. Unfortunately, and I mean, <laughs> I've, I've had a conversation with a Roman Catholic guy, um, and he is totally okay with believing that Luke, um, between the gospel according to Luke and Acts, was inconsistent because Jesus ascended into heaven the same day that he rose, apparently, at the end of Luke, and then mm. Acts says he was around 40 days, and he's okay with saying, well, no, that's a contradiction, because these are, and I'm just like, oh, you, you are? Mm -hmm. So you think the author actually, you're not actually going to do the study and say he didn't contradict mm -hmm. himself, it's that you're the problem. You're not going to yeah. say you're the problem, and so we have, and that's where this, again, this is where mysticism comes in, and he has some sort of special, there's some other special Revelation. There's some, so this is where you have the pendulum. They have to go this far because they have to say this. Because if they said this, then all their other stuff would have to go away. Yeah. So yeah. you know, you see yeah. those traditions challenged, and you see which one wins. Does God win, or does their tradition win? And then you see the fruit, and if they're a Christian or not, really. Mm -hmm. And this, and this is why whenever. We everybody we got Christendom going on. This is why Protestants say that they're not. You know, they might call us lost brothers, even though their principles definitely are not. We are still not brothers. Yeah. Um, they just did that to be nice to the public yeah. eye. But this is why you know the Protestants Protestants can stand up and say, if you believe this, this is not coming from a repentant heart. Sure. So we've got rationalism, mm -hmm. mysticism, Romanism. Mm -hmm. What are some other false views? Well, the next view that, that I identify as uh, is another view um, that we're actually going to be debating. Yeah. Uh, and that's the King James onlyism. And the only reason I, I uh, interject this as a, a false view is because it's becoming even more popular than it has in recent years. Uh, you know, a lot of people thought, well, you know, that's going to be an initial uh, attack on modern versions and then it's going to kind of 
fade away with some acceptance and study and, and, and understanding, but it doesn't. Um, so this one, uh, you know, it's, it's a popular view within Baptist circles, and it's not limited, but it is more primarily uh, recognized within Independent Fundamental Baptists. Yeah. Uh, I, I say Independent Fundamental, capital F, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, type of view. Um, uh, there, there's extremists in this. There's, there's moderate views uh, within King James Onlyism as well. Um, just like there is with most false views, we've, we've got both ends of the spectrum with it. Um, some are going to go so far as to say that uh, the King James Version uh, is supreme even to the original manuscripts. They're going to say even that the King James is actually inspired uh, in itself. The text of the King James is inspired. Of course, yeah. you know, we, we do not believe that. We believe uh, that the original words as spoken by the prophets, the apostles, Christ himself that those are the inspired words of God's that yeah. of God that is is then preserved through manuscripts, um, and so. Uh, but then there's others. Uh, there, there's more moderate ones. They're going to say that. Uh, uh, well, the, some of the extremes as well. Let me cover this one as well. Some of them will say you can't be saved uh, yeah. if you use anything other than the King James. Um, so, Adam, if somebody led you to the Lord with the NIV, um, you're not truly saved. Um, yeah. You know that's what they'll tell you. Um, so, uh, and then, and then there is the more moderate ones. There's, there's ones that, uh, will say you can be saved, but, uh, the King James is still the only pure preserved word of God, um, that the other ones in some way or some, some form or shape have been tainted. And we know there are bad translations out there. Oh, yeah. Uh, we know there are plenty of bad translations, things that we don't even really want to call translations, the new world Bible, yeah. not something you and I want to call an actual translation most of the yeah, time. Yeah, but how do we do that? The standard yeah. is, is we have manuscripts. Exactly. We, we have what has been written down. You know, it's not just copies of copies of copies in that way. You mm -hmm. say you had the original autograph, and then you had five people using that one autograph. They copy that one autograph, and then each of those five have, say, five more apiece. So you go mm -hmm. from one copy to, so now you have six copies. Yeah. Six plus five times five, so that's 31 <laughs> copies. And so that's what we see in the manuscript tradition. So we also mm -hmm. got to, you know, talk about that kind of stuff. And, you know, you, so you see a lot of misrepresentations in yeah. this to where you get down to Erasmus has to become some inspired prophet or, like, these people that, these people that put the KJV together. But the thing is, is we would have to say, we can go, we can know the New World Translation is wrong by going back to the Greek and saying, Wait a second! You're adding stuff here. Mm -hmm. No, it doesn't. No, and then getting into say the Granville Sharp construction, yeah. where it says our only great God and Savior. We're not. Christ. I know Adam's we're laughing gonna, about that. Adam's gonna. Adam's so, gonna so, produce the whole case right here. But anyway, no, but so, so, but yeah, we can do that, um, and, and so we can validate our reasoning is valid using the presupposition that God has spoken, and we right. know that we are thinking His thoughts after Him. We know that then our reasoning is valid. And then, so we can get into these grammatical things and these historical things. So, um, yeah. So I, I, I can't wait until this debate happens yeah. to see where your your opponent is at on the scale because it goes from um, I have, I've had a guy in the barber shop where we've talked about this stuff and he wasn't that bad, you know. And and, and unfortunately, he's actually as I've seen him and I haven't really talked to him a whole lot. I've I've kind of posed some questions, but he's progressively going like I don't get this anymore. Which amen to that, you know, he's not he's not bound. And uh, that's into that. That, that's great. And there are yeah. a lot of people in this camp of King James onlyism um, that 
that truly do simply say, you know what, I just really like the King James best. Yeah. Um, I have a, a real personal preference for it. And, you know, I grew up on the King James and, and, and it was good enough for me. Um, maybe it should just be good enough for all of us. And, and that's the basis of their argument. And they're not going to jump on and call you a heretic or anything else yeah. if you use another version or anything like that. They just prefer the King yeah. James. And I really want to call them King James only a yeah. away no, in, that, um, in that respect. No, and that's yeah. a pretty loose term. Yeah. One thing you will notice, though, um, and, and you'll hear me talk about this a little bit uh, during the debate probably, is is a lot of, uh, pretty much all of your hardcore King James onlyists are all going to claim the 1611 King James only. Yeah. Um, which... You know, not probably enough time tonight to get into all that, but uh, that's one of the things you're going to see. And, and I, I'll probably discuss this as well uh, during the debate. But I need to say, you know, I love the King James. I think it's it's my second favorite translation. Uh, I think it is is beautiful, eloquent language, and and I think it it displays the Word of God uh, very clearly. Um, and so I I don't. I don't have anything against the King James, uh, and, and I don't yeah. think most of us that defend against this position have anything against the King James. Yeah. But oh, it's no. it's all about uh, understanding that if we understand the Word of God properly, and if we recognize how it's been preserved, then to look at someone and say, you can't be saved if you read any other Bible than this one, well, that's actually where the heresy is. Yeah. And that's a right real on. problem. If they would say that, then they're denying the very because the King James Bible. And this is really interesting says, because yeah. you're saved by the grace of God alone, right? Mm -hmm. Because that was the Bible of the Reformation. So here's the funny thing: you just, you know, made enemies with everybody. That's okay. <laughs> but there's still a few more people you need to make enemies with in identifying false views of Scripture. Yeah. So give us the uh, the the last two that you have from this yeah. list. But but you understand. Okay. Atheist, you just knocked him out. Christian mystics, you just knocked him out. <laughs> you just knocked out KJV onlyist. Now you've got some other folks here that you're going to go after well, and say there are false views of Scripture. And that's really interesting. We are probably so often encountering these mm -hmm. that we don't even know how to deal with them. No, as a matter of fact, we've become passive as Christians. Yeah. Uh, our, our, our entire nature as Christians, we've bought into this idea of coexist. Yeah. Uh, you know, which which I don't entirely have a great deal against. I agree. We have to live in this world, but we don't have to be of it. Yeah. And we don't have to support what is of the world. Yes. We can support yeah. what is within us, what God has given us to support. Yeah. And so I think it's, you know, it's our responsibility to point out these things. And we do not have to be, uh, you know, harsh or anything like that when we do it. We, we, can, we can speak in love and in truth, uh, as, as God's called us to. So... Uh, Next few? <laughs> yeah, go ahead okay. and give us the next so, few. <laughs> so you said, you know, everybody. Well, we're going to get the rest of them probably in this one. Uh, cultic views. Uh, so in the most basic forms, uh, you know, cultic view is, is uh, and many cults are going to claim to be Christians. Um, they'll identify as Christians. But they're going to identify the Bible plus some additional revelation. Um, so, of course, uh, you're going to have with uh, Mormons, you're going to have the Book of Mormon, you know. Um, but not only will they either identify some additional revelation, uh, it's not always going to be written. It can be oral. So they're going to claim some additional, um, additional profit. Um, and, and then, and, and through that, they're going to speak 
that is true. So they're going to identify somebody as a prophet of God in most cases. Um, and, and like many of the views, they're going to deny the sufficiency and the completeness yes. of Scripture. Um, that being the key thing, um, that they're going to deny God's Word is sufficient apart from their additional teachings. So Jehovah's Witness, um, most people don't recognize this, but the Watchtower is part of their additional revelation. Yeah. So instead, basically, instead yeah. of a human pope, now you have a paper pope. Exactly. Which mm. is the Watchtower magazine. Exactly. So and really well sorry, said. I, 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 did you can steal I, that from someone? I was going to say, know. can I have I that? That was awesome. <laughs> the paper, can the I paper have that pope. for my piece sure. when I yeah. write it? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> the paper pope from the high tower. Yeah, right. right. There we go. Well said. Well said. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So in extreme cases, you know, they're going to decide that the Messiah has even come, though. Um, you know, they're going to, and in and, and really extreme cases, you're going to see somebody pop up and declare themselves as the Messiah who has come. Yeah. Um, and so uh, those go, there's a there's a, a broad spectrum we can chase, you know, uh, on, on cults. Um, really, I try to keep it simplified and, and really focus in on, if you see somebody offering a different gospel using the Bible plus something else, you're looking at a cult. Yeah. You know, well that's said. that's the simplest way I can break that down because there's a lot of vague definitions uh, for cults. And, and so really what we want to identify is is the idea of something additional to the Bible, a false gospel, and often a prophet, a yeah. false prophet, of course. So one thing you would probably say about these categories is sometimes there are some similarities. You know, the King James Onlyist and the, and the cultist mentality would, would probably cross some... Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, lines would, can definitely blend in this. And same thing with mysticism in this, mm-hmm. because... Obviously, they'd say, well, well, Joseph Smith had a private revelation, or actually even Mormons would say, well, there's that burning in the bosom when we read the uh, Book of Mormon. Those type of elements aren't just a broad set in the stone. It has to be this definitive category. You actually see these things kind of intertwine with one another. Yeah, yeah. definitely, definitely do. And so I've kind of gone through there's, these is the easiest to identify yeah. to, to well, the hardest to identify. Uh, yeah. And so... Uh, the other one that I talk about is neo-orthodoxy. Gotcha. Um, and, and the reason I this is probably one of the hardest to identify is this one is probably the most ingrained in even what we would recognize or have recognized over the past years as conservative churches. Yeah. Uh, this one is very popular even in Baptist circles. And it may not be at an, at an extreme existence, uh, mm. but you know, even in its most mild existence, it's going to say things like, well, Adam and Eve weren't actual people. Or Jonah didn't really get swallowed by a whale. Um, you know, those are just there's they're just stories to help us learn more about who God is. Yeah. Um, and so they're going to deny the truth of the scriptures. Um, but in its more extreme views, it's going to identify the Bible as merely containing God's word. Um, it's not actually being yeah. God's word. And, and so they'll claim openly that the Bible is not inerrant. Um, they will say that it's simply a book of morals, uh, but only the work of men. Um, and so that's that's extreme view. Uh, the the more mild views are going to be those who actually led the SBC to have a resurgence. Um, yeah. Who who you know, and we could go way off into that. But oh yeah, we've done. <laughs> I want to chase that rabbit. Before. You guys have already done that. But I can just so. say, yeah, does that sound like Freemasonry? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Well, now Adam's making everybody mad, so at least he took the camera off me. <laughs> so, but it, the the bottom line is with all the false views of scripture. Um, what we see is they deny the authority 
of the Word of God, and as He gave it to mankind, um, and they established some authority above God's Word. Um, you know, whether that be their own thinking, whether that be some subjective experience, whether that be the Pope or the Church, uh, whether that be um, some, you know, cultish group, whether that be, you know, some new false prophet or false writings, um, all of them are going to establish an authority other than the God's Word. Um, and so the most important thing is that we recognize and study the Orthodox view, which says that the Bible is God's Word and that it is the single authority in our lives. Um, so for all things uh, gospel, for all things growth, for all things uh, ecclesiastical, all those things uh, are going to be found by the Bible as being the authority, not by any human thinking, not by any experience or anything like that. Yeah. Um, so I think that's that's the right. one thing we really need to know. Yeah. And you so, just nailed those. All right, rationalism. Yeah. I'm, I'm not looking at my screen. Rationalism, <laughs> mysticism, cultism, uh, King James-onlyism. Yeah. Roman Catholicism. Uh, Roman Catholicism and Neo-Orthodox. You, you, you've identified six <laughs> different views. You're not saying that those are the only ones, but you're saying, that, hey man, these are the ones that, that I've grouped together as different false approaches to the scripture. Yeah. And some of those folks are going to say they're Christians. Some of them are going to say, no, 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 the Bible is this thing that's not that's not at all Christian. So the rationalists would say, no, the Bible isn't there. But there are also rationalists who will say, well, you know, um, yeah, I'm a Christian, but, you know, the Bible could have made mistakes. Or then the Neo-Orthodox, well, some of God's truth is in there. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's some truth in there. Um, and there's some different various um, sub-points that would underline those categories. And yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, like, so now that we have this understanding of the false views um, that are out there that we're dealing with, like, how do we deal with one? Who is yeah. caught up in this stuff? For one, like, how are you going to know? How are we going to preach the gospel yeah. to him? And then how, are how we do we preach the gospel yeah. into that uh, unbelief that Scripture is the Theanoustas well, um, Word of God? That's going to depend on on yeah. what we mean by somebody being caught in a false yeah. view. You know, so if if we're saying somebody who's caught in a false view, meaning they've been trapped, they're led astray by a false view of Scripture, uh, then the most important thing is for us to love them. Um, and work towards integrating them into an active Bible study and discipleship programs. Um, you know, because we're going to find these people in our churches. Oh, yeah, uh, I think you you're know, right. And so what we have to do, is, you know, and a lot of times we're encountering people who are, these are not unsaved people. These are regenerate people who have been led astray by false teachers in many mm, cases, yeah. but in many cases they are unregenerate. And so that's two different view, two different uh, approaches we have to look at. One is the person regenerate. If they are, then then of course that comes in uh, Bible study and discipleship programs. Um, you know, um, if they're an unregenerate person, then we're going to need to identify where they're at, open up a line of communication with them, and, and define that, and then begin speaking truth into their life a little bit at a time. Yeah. Um, you know, if we if I walk up to an atheist who has already had fifteen other Christians walk up to him and say, "Well, you're just a stupid atheist." Um, I'm, I'm, I've just wasted my time. I've just disregarded what God has commanded me to do, which is to mm-hmm. preach his word in love. Mm-hmm. And, and so I have to go to that person and, and look at them. And, and it doesn't matter whether we're dealing with a false view or whether we're during, dealing with a wayward brother, whether we're dealing with, uh, you know, a brother we love. Regardless, 
we have to approach them in love, in the love of Christ. And I think that's the one thing that we don't do well as a church today. I think that's where we fall short. Um, you know, a lot of times, if we're dealing with a brother in Christ, they're simply coming from a perspective of a, flaw, a flawed hermeneutic. Yeah. And so, uh, instead of jumping up and down and, and getting angry with that person and having this argument in, in the church setting with a brother or sister in Christ, if our approach is more along the lines of, and if we've discussed these false views, it's great because uh, if you've discussed these false views with your church, then you can say, well, I think where you're at is, is kind of a rational uh, view of Scripture. I think you're kind of taking a, a rationalistic view on that. And, and I think you're kind of setting your mind supreme. And let's talk about this. Mm-hmm. And, and that allows that to open up. Now, if we're talking about somebody who's caught up in it and, and they're actually teaching this, yeah. we're still going to approach that personal love. We should. That's yeah. what we're called to do. Um, but... If we approach that person and we and we confront their false teaching and, and they reject us, um, then we do have a responsibility to the world yeah. to identify what that person is doing, identify them as what they have determined themselves to be, mm. and, and identify them as the false teacher yeah. that they are. So we have that like, responsibility. So, and, you know, people might think we're mean, say we, uh, well, the venues. Yeah. People yeah. might think we're mean, but the thing is, is we are doing, the thing is, if anybody from the venues, you have to realize that you've taken an arbitrary position, which is based on your feelings. So this is the way we feel, and we have to express our faith the way we feel, right? Mm-hmm. So the way that we feel is we had to put out what Phil was talking about. And so it wasn't mean. It was actually, well, you guys don't want to have a conversation. You don't want to go public and have a discussion with Dave and I. So what we what no do they we have don't to do? they refuse to by the way yeah, I wasn't really, yeah. I reached out to them again they yeah. refused to actually have a discussion yeah so that they so what we need it. to do is you know they're going to do what they're going to do but you if you are mm-hmm. caught up in this we want to let you know this is where they're at you know they have rationalized things because of the yeah. enlightenment philosophy and all this naturalistic sort of things that would preclude God from even speaking yeah. in their a priori commitment to naturalism right. So therefore, they're inconsistent calling themselves Christian because God or Jesus said Himself, "Man lives on not on bread alone, but the, every word that comes from God's mouth." And we have it written down, right? So that you know, so that's that's one of those things. So we don't we didn't do that to be mean to Phil. We actually did it saying, "Hey, dude, what are you saying? What are you doing? You're going to lead these people. You're going to be you're held accountable, and you're going to stand in front of God someday, and He's going to be like, you caused my children to sin.'" And what did he say in the Bible about that? It's better to tie a millstone around your neck and jump in the lake. So what we did yeah. was right according yeah. to Scripture because Scripture is and actually again, clear. The absurdity is this is our feelings. This is what we feel. And if you you have to include our feelings with yours. That's the absurdity of it. So you have to be okay with everything that we did. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Well, one thing that yeah. just jumps out to me is, of course, in Titus chapter 1, where it talks about the qualifications of an elder. And it says very clearly in verse 9 that he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he will be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. Right. So what are the implications of failure to engage individuals who are propagating these false views of Scripture? Because you've said they're here, mm-hmm. you've said that there are people that are teaching mm-hmm. them, sometimes unknowingly so. So yeah. what happens if your elders, pastors fail to engage and directly confront these false views? What well, are the implications? 
there, there's a lot of them, uh, but but the the first and most primary ones that come to my mind is is you're going to see an unregenerate membership in the church. Yes, mm-hmm. you're you're going to see false conversions. Yeah. you're going to see, uh, and, and on top of that, you're going to create. And and let me say, many of many of the false teachers out there today are don't even know they're a false teacher. Yeah. They don't have a clue. They're not intentionally well, it says seeking. In Timothy. That people will go out of mm-hmm. their way to make leaders to yep. suit themselves. Exactly. So the reason why we have Joel Olstein might not be his fault exactly. Mm-hmm. In a way, it could be a congregation's fault that propped him up right. to be that leader because he thought he was doing right because, well, he had a false view of Scripture at the mm-hmm. beginning. They had a false view of Scripture. He's making people happy. He's getting money. Why is he getting money? People are giving it to him. So we get mad at them all we want with our arbitrary sort of things, but hey, it was a false view of scripture that propped them up exactly. from both sides. Exactly. And so not only are we going to see see unregenerate membership, um, but then we're going to see those leaders mm-hmm. be brought up because somebody brought in with a false gospel is going to grow in a false gospel, mm-hmm. and then they're going to be built up in a false gospel, and then they're going to preach a false gospel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so... So that's how we literally get the sh- the, the wolves in sheep's clothing mm-hmm. that we talk about in the scriptures. Um, so what what are the repercussions of that upon the church body? Well, one, it, it leads to false belief and, and, and a lot of people who think they're going to heaven who, who aren't. They're, they're not. They're not regenerate. Mm. Um, and so the, you know, and that's so what we mean by that. a false conversion. <laughs> That, yeah. Well, that, that's what we mean when we say false conversion. We that's mean right. someone who believes they are saved who is not. Uh, um, and, and who, according to God's holy word, has go. not yeah. been saved. Uh, that's not our judgment to make. Yeah. That's, you, but, Again, it's, it's, it's defined so, in Scripture. I was kind of joking them. with you, but I'm so glad you yeah. jumped on that yeah. because it's exactly the truth. But if yeah. you have the right view of Scripture, you know, you know this isn't a yes. not, no true Scotsman fallacy. It's clearly defined mm-hmm. by the object, Christ himself, what a Christian is, you'll know them by their fruit, and we right. have the right to judge. That's right. We have the judge mm-hmm. to judge rightly, but we have the right to judge. That's yes. right. So we go to what Christ has said, what Christ has defined, and that can only be found in the right view of Scripture. Yeah. Right. Yeah. On. Agreed. Uh, you know, and, and that's exactly why we need to be telling the truth to the world. Amen. You yeah. know, uh, that's why we're supposed to be warning people about these false views uh, before they get led astray as well. Um, you know, there, there's so many, um, and maybe I'll offend a few more people yet tonight, <laughs> but, but there is so many times of get a feeling, say a quick prayer in your saved churches in our country today. And then those people who have already, maybe they had a true mystical encounter with the one true God, or maybe they had a false mystical encounter, mm. um, regardless of the case, uh, they're going to be quickly led astray. They're, yeah, they're going well to be quickly because there is no there is no depth to their understanding, and, and so they're going to be quickly led led astray by these false teachers, and, and they themselves will uh, will begin to teach it as well. And so we need to warn the world about that. You know, there there's people in, in pulpits and classrooms everywhere across our country that are teaching the true gospel. Um, mm. So anywhere where God has propped up His people to teach His truth. Satan is going to come behind and try to prop up and try to be the imitator as he is and try to prop up those teaching something contrary to that. And so that's, that's why these false views become so important because uh, Satan hasn't given up the game yet. He knows he's going to lose, but he's still playing. Mm-hmm. You know? and, and so uh, when we recognize that, 
you know, even in a rural little church like ours, you know, months ago, uh, we had somebody say, well, there's no reason that we should be preaching and teaching the doctrine of the Trinity. Well, now, <laughs> I don't know about you guys, <laughs> but that's pretty fundamental to, to the faith. Yeah. And that's, that is, that's what we would consider a level one doctrine. Hey, but correct? Roman Catholics believe in the Trinity. Well, they do. It's just a little different. Person. Why? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, uh, you know but o- only a false view of Scripture can, can, yeah. can produce that kind of a statement. Yeah. Well, only Agreed. a false view is going to produce that. So, yeah. I'm not saying that person was unregenerate necessarily. Yeah. But they definitely held to some level of a false view of scripture yeah, to make un- that kind of there's statement. There's some sort of unbelief that he needs mm-hmm. to deal with, and this is why, you know, right. apologetic in this uh, mm-hmm. in this uh, genre of apologetics, what are we defending, yeah. is important. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And, and what I would say, and you just laid that out so clearly. This isn't just a oh, this is kind of a fun idea. No, you've done some serious analysis and work here, mm-hmm. and you can see it play out in the local church all over the place. Yeah. Even if they've had a good pastor or a great pastor for years, because we're infiltrated in a society that is very subjective, is postmodern. And when we deal with that, people are going to come back with, well, what right do you have? And, and Adam, you completely address that in such a powerful way. Well, what right do you have? Well, what right do you have? I mean, the very fact that you've been able to categorize this demonstrates that there are similar concepts within each of these categories of what I would say unorthodox views of scripture and they're all over the place you're going to find them in some manner or another in almost every church you'll go into and that's what's scary about it definitely you know it may be a a, a much more mild form you know um jeez you know it is easy to get caught in a false view of scripture it really Mm -hmm. is you know it's easy to begin thinking about something and and that's why we have brothers and sisters in Christ that we can talk to that's why when i start reading something in scripture uh you know we did it earlier i, I said am i taking that out of context if i apply it here yeah you know if i am then i'm allowing my mind to come become supreme to yeah. the scriptures right yeah. because really... i have determined in my mind that i want to grab a hold of this and i want to use it for this purpose if yeah. that's not how god intended it then i am abusing that and there thereby i am oh, yeah, setting yeah. myself above well, just... god's word now that's a minor thing but those minor things, they creep in and then they grow, right? Yeah, well, I mean, the, just we'll take the KJV only to mm-hmm. help your debate, but like, you know, it's that, that portion of scripture that says that your word is like a, like, is it metal refined in mm-hmm. like seven times? Silver refined, so, yeah. Yeah, refined yeah. seven, seven times. Seven times. Yeah. So what they do is they take that sentimentally and they go, oh, there it is. The, uh, the Texas Receptus and all that, or the King, King James only. They, they'll look at that. The King James Bible has seven sources. Those are the seven sources he's talking about in the Psalms. Yeah. And it's like, you take it out of context, you can do whatever you want with it, you get sentimental. Mm-hmm. I think we're talking, I just kind of got yeah. another little coin term is sentimental apologetics. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So you're being sentimental, you're going, I want this to be true. Hey, the Bible says that, pull that. And so we got to have a right view of scripture to say like, mm-hmm. I can't do that. And we have to be honest. I can't do that whenever we're reading and doing what we need to do with the scriptures. We need to go, can we do that? Exactly. Exactly. And let me say, you know, I, you know, I haven't defined these. I haven't, you know, uh, found all these. These have been around yeah. for years. Oh. Uh, there's been some great books already written on these topics. You know, Dave mentioned charismatic chaos, uh, uh, strange fire, um, you know, 
uh, as far as the King James only controversy. King James only controversy. <laughs> uh, great book. Y'all should look into that. Um, you know, so there's there's a lot of uh, shoulders of giants that I get to stand yeah, yeah. on in this, um, and, and so there's a lot of a lot of people that have gone before us in defending these things, and we're going to continue to defend the to yeah, de- have amen. to defend these things, and that's yeah. why it's important um, that that as Dave said earlier, we've got to get this down at the lay level. Um, this yeah. this can't stop in the seminaries. This can't stop at the pulpit. Um, this needs to be down at the lay level because uh, it is the church's responsibility to stand for God's word. It, yeah. it, it doesn't stop at the pastor. It doesn't stop at the Sunday school teacher. It is the church's responsibility. Yeah. And so that's why, to me, it is so important and uh, to, to get this down at the lay level and, and, and try to try to spread it. In yeah, because I know, way. you know, in our Sunday schools, we're always talking about, yeah, we, we've uh, went past an hour already. Yeah, so, I know. Anyway, but dude, but just, just think about, you know, really in good. our Sunday school classes, um, we spend time, say, buying life, you know, we're, we're good, bad, this right, we buy life away, gospel project, whatever, um, but we need to make sure we're not just teaching what the Bible says, but why. Why do we believe what the Bible says and, so and those little further things what you're doing. So let's kind of wrap this yeah. up here with, with two really important questions here and you've mm-hmm. got them at the end there. Why is this an important topic for us now? I mean that I guess we oh, can yeah. kind of end on that. Okay. Why now? Why is today why is this a podcast that should be shared with your friends? Why today should after this episode post as a podcast, after the live feed is finished, why should we share this? If, if we are concerned Christians, why should we watch it again, share it with our friends? What is so important about false views of Scripture? Okay, well, for that, I'm just I, I'm just going to read a portion of something yeah, that I actually for wrote for my class before I even started teaching on the false views. Yeah. Um, and, and so the, the topic of this is, is why is theology important? Of course, that's what we're dealing with anytime we're dealing with yeah. the study of God and His Word. Um, so first and foremost... It's important because God tells us it is. Um, you know, he tells us in 2 Timothy 2.15 in the King James, because that's where I like to quote this verse from and learned it from. <laughs> Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Yeah. Um, however, I also believe it is important today, as it has ever been, because of the cultural and society influences that have changed our world drastically in the past few decades. Consider this research by the Barna Group. Uh, approximately 60% of American adults and 40% of Christian American adults agree that the only truth one can know is whatever is right for one's own life. So through 20 plus years of research that they did at Barna, uh, Barna's reports uh, reports where we are as a society. They have assessed the six tenets of the new moral code in America. One, the best way of finding yourself is by looking within yourself. Two, people should not criticize someone else's life choices. Three, to be fulfilled in life, you should pursue the things you desire most. Four, the highest goal of life is to enjoy it as much as possible. Five, people can believe whatever they want as long as those beliefs don't affect society. And six, any kind of sexual expression between two consenting adults is acceptable. And uh, David Kinnaman, the president of Barnard Group, had this to say about all this. Yeah. Um, but this is what David Kenneman said. He said, Americans, both inside and outside the church, are pledging allegiance to the morality of self-fulfillment. The highest good, according to our society, is finding yourself and then living by what is right for you. There's a tremendous amount of individualism in today's society, and that is reflected in the church, too. Millions of Christians have grafted New Age dogma into their spiritual person. When we peel back the layers, we find that many Christians are using the way of Jesus to pursue the way of self. 
While we wring our hands about secularism spreading through culture, a majority of church-going Christians have embraced corrupt, me-centered theology, so there appears to be a dichotomy at work among practicing Christians in America. Most believe that the Bible is a source of moral norms that transcend a person's culture, and that those moral truths are absolute rather than relative to circumstances. Yet at the same time, solid majorities ascribe to five of the six tenets of the new moral code. Such widespread cognitive dissonance among both practicing Christians and Americans more generally is another indicator of the cultural flux Barna has identified through the past two decades. But it, al- but it also represents an opportunity for leaders and mentors who are prepared to coach people, especially young people, toward deeper wisdom and greater discernment. So <clears throat> the, the whole point being, how can you hold to the Bible is, a, is absolute truth and then hold on to five of those six completely unbiblical tenets. Yeah. Well, the point being is that is that is the pure evidence of infiltration of mm. non-biblical beliefs infiltrating into the church. Mm. Um, yeah. and, and I love what he says at the end. It represents an opportunity. It it represents oh, yeah. an opportunity in the well, church. Well, basically, for us. what he's saying well, at the very end there is it gives us an opportunity for discipleship. Exactly. Amen. And that's, he's that's recognizing the word. it. And, yeah, I, exactly. and I want to state something because to me this is one of the most most important things about our time. Yeah, we live in a time of a massive moral uh, revolution, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a very serious idea. Uh, there is a conflict of worldviews that is occurring in our society today as we have not seen ever happen before, right? Mm-hmm. So the amazing thing is that we have the gospel and we can actually call out that and the problems in that society, because it honestly is just pure absurdity. And so we have the truth, and as Christians who have the truth in a world that says, well, we define the truth, we define the truth, we define the truth, we can say, no, 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 there's something beyond us. You're absurd, and you're reduced to absurdity when you follow consistently that worldview and those false presuppositions. And so to me, one of the things that I think is so important about what you've presented here is, yes, people need to know that there are these false views towards Scripture, but the amazing thing is that there is a true and real view. It's the view that Jesus had, hath God not said. Um, It's really, really clear. Uh, Peter calls the words of Paul Scripture. Mm -hmm. He quotes from the Old Testament and the New Testament in one shot, uh, Paul does, Mm -hmm. right? And so there is a true and real approach towards Scripture, and that's what we need to know these false views, and we can call them out. We can be the Elijahs, the, mm-hmm. the second king Elijahs, calling out truth into a society that is in uh, reduced itself to utter chaos. So, yeah, and if we're not holding to a, a orthodox view of Scripture, um, we're, we're just joining the false teachers. Yeah, amen. Yeah, you know, we are. Um, and so I think this needs to go... Uh, needs to be more actively pursued in our local churches. I think this does not have to stop with our pastors. It shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Our pastors should be looking for this within our church and, and looking at it in the way that David Kenneman says, looking at it as an opportunity, yeah. looking at it for a chance to say, you know what, there's an area where I can actively engage somebody in my church and begin a discipleship process with them. Uses it, use it as an excuse to engage your church, mm. you know, I, th- I think that's, a lot of times people hear somebody in their congregation say something that we know is hinged on a false view of scripture, mm. 
And they're more concerned about offending or upsetting that person by approaching them with that false view than looking at it as a pure opportunity to help them grow in God's Word. Yeah. And I think that's where we need to make the transition. Yeah. Well, man, Travis, we can awesome. probably go for Thank another you. 15 to 20 <laughs> yeah. minutes, but my wife will be yeah. angry at me if I yeah. continue on. As she will mine. Yeah. She hasn't texted you yet. So that's that's right. She, and, and I'm, well, she, she might have. I'm, yeah. you know. <laughs> Sorry <laughs> for keeping him. <laughs> I mean, God is so good to bring people into our lives that know the truth and want to teach it. And so I'm honored to have you here. We're really looking forward to your debate uh, in August. And not only are we looking forward to that debate, we're looking forward to Adam's debate on masonry. And, of course, we hope that we'll be able to go live in October with our debate. Yeah. I've got some ideas. So, yeah, we've got a lot of stuff cooking for the fall. So Yes. It'll be a busy and fun summer. Yes. So. Awesome. Yeah, behind the scenes, and then we'll come out whenever the weather cools off a little bit. That's right. (laughs) Anyway, dude, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Um, If you guys... want to have somebody to come talk about scripture and yes. everything. He is a part of the Missouri Baptist Apologetics Network. He is, if you want to talk about uh, having some sort of credential, he is safe, guys. He believes in the errant, <laughs> inerrant, sufficient, authoritative, necessary word of God Amen. that revealed himself, the triune God. Amen. So anyway, um, with that said, I we I hope this... Uh, you know how we end, you, right? Yeah. Yeah, you, oh yeah, we got three people here in three words. So, so I'm anyway. the middle, right? Yeah. <laughs> You're the middle. Yeah, I'll be the first who is second. Right. Oh, third. wow, I get to yeah. do that. Gloria. Oh, yeah, you get to do the end this time. That's right. We'll <laughs> have never Gloria done it. it. I guess I could, I'll, no, I'll do, I'll do solo deo. Yeah, okay, you, you sound that. better. Your voice, okay, cool. you, you have like better voice for it than I do. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that's the Tag Grit Podcast. I'm Ray Ray. I'm Dave. And I'm Travis. And Soli. Deo. Gloria. Gloria.